for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. Speaking on the issues that impact, Tyler Nixon on TNT. Welcome, and we're live on today's news talk for the Tyler Nixon Show. Today is February 28th, 2024. We've got a good show ahead, as always. Uh, first of all, though, on Capitol Hill, big doings, a um, couple of events. First, a seminal announcement from uh, the turtle of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader, former Majority Leader, been there for coming up on 40 years, has announced that this is his last term as the uh, Senate Republican leader, and that he's going to be uh, he's going to be out after this. So I have to say, good riddance, frankly, to Mitch McConnell. Um, he's, he'll still be in the Senate, but he will no longer be the uh, Senate leader. Uh, I haven't seen much speculation yet as to who will replace him. There's obviously some uh, Rick Scott is a, is a uh, an obvious choice. He had challenged McConnell previously, and I think he's he's uh, he would I think he's got the support of the of the caucus or would have the support of the caucus. I don't know. Uh, you know, there's still some rhinos in there, some uh, some. Quest, people of questionable uh, loyalty to the re, the cause of the Republican Party, not the party itself. And Mitch McConnell uh, just has been on a on a rampage in terms of, in my view, gutting everything the Republican Party stands for, cutting deals with uh, Chuck Schumer and and the uh, you know the House Democrats and that that sort of thing. And it's been really uh, it, it especially on the Ukraine issue when he stood up and said that uh, the funding Ukraine and the vote on funding the Ukraine war or funding the Ukraine side of the, this this uh, proxy war with the Russians was the most important decision that uh, that they would ever make in their careers or something or something to that effect. Um, I, I found that appalling and so ridiculously out of touch with reality and re out of out of touch with the, the basic needs and concerns of his constituents and the American citizenry overall. Uh, that he just has so far outlived his uh, his usefulness, his welcome, and and has become a very damaging and destructive figure, uh, in spite of his being a feeble eighty two year old uh, man. I mean, you know, you look at Joe Biden, you look at uh, Mitch McConnell; these people do not need to be in charge of our country by any stretch. Um, I will say, comparatively, that you can people can say what they will of Donald Trump; they can. Uh, lambast him and, and feed us all the uh, garbage that the left has come up with over the last uh, six to seven, eight years about uh, what a you know what an awful misogynist racist all all this all this manufactured nonsense about him, but he is absolutely a dynamo. There's no question. I mean, look at what the pressures this man is under in terms of the lawfare, the multiple cases, criminal cases potentially facing. Who knows? I mean, you know, with with no guarantees that he will not be. Uh, he will not be persecuted into a position of being put in prison or uh, who knows. I mean, I, I think these people uh, will will absolutely go to the, whatever distance it takes. They will do whatever it takes to maintain their power. And they view him as this uh, this avatar, in a sense, of this movement that is in, intending to and uh, frankly, uh, very purposefully trying to usurp them. And I say usurp them. I mean, that's generally has a bad connotation, but in this case, no, it's a great connotation. It is to dislodge the uh, these um, embedded, uh, you know, they're really like barnacles on the side of a, of a great ship. 
um, that have totally taken over uh, the hull and you know risk capsizing the ship. And um, you know they have no regard, frankly, for. I mean, they're just destructive forces. The people who have gone after Donald Trump have done so in a way where they don't care about the rule of law. They don't care what the the state of justice is. And they don't care if they destroy everything that they need to to destroy him. And I mean, that's just a sick, perverse um, ideology or uh, mindset that uh, Donald Trump has been treated to. And that we've, you know, it's frankly, it, it, it Donald Trump, as I've once uh, said about him, uh, when he first started running, I thought uh, he's what I would call the revealer, if you were to give him a name, um, in the sense that however people react to him, and however they respond to him in the case of actual uh, interactions with him is more revealing of who they are and what they are than they than it is of him. Um, and, you know, I think he's he really he is someone who. You know, if you if you pull aside, if they pull aside all the what's crazy is, I mean, everything that they they go on about him in terms of uh, hating him, the vituperation, the the. Uh, it's all based on lies. I mean, it's just not consistent with reality. And, you know, he only pushes back against them and tweaks them, I think, because it because he can, because they're so obsessed with him and they've got such a distorted view. It almost frees him up to really be whoever he wants to be and say whatever he wants to say. And that's a good thing because, uh, you know, the rest of them, I mean, every politician, you look at a Mitch McConnell, you want to talk about a curated, uh, you know, sliced, diced and uh, finely prepared uh, you know, political piece of meat, I guess, because it's really, I mean, he's just for sale to any of you know, the highest uh, bidder per pound, um, you know, compared to him, uh, Donald Trump, I mean, has always been a breath of fresh air, always come in with the straight talk and behind the scenes from people who know him personally, uh, Roger Stone, I haven't had the uh, chance to meet Trump personally yet. I would like to, I would hope that would happen uh, before it's all over, but uh you can just you can sense. I mean, if you if you if you don't have the dysfunctional, uh, malcontented, uh, warped minds of uh, of the average leftist, um, and with you know that is totally consumed within their propaganda, they're programmed. You can see Donald Trump for what he is. The, the man is is exceedingly funny, and without even necessarily trying, um, he's irreverent. He's straightforward, uh, and behind the scenes is a very apparently uh, gracious and warm person. And and you know, it's sad that he's uh, been hung up as uh, sort of this uh, and demonized as some sort of villain, as some sort of um, bombast or angry, uh, uh, spiteful man because of his um, hard-hitting persona that he presents on the campaign trail and on the hustings on on the, you know, when he takes on the forces of darkness as, as I would have them uh, and and the people who are coming after him. Whereas, you know, in, in a sense, we really have the opposite, the exact opposite with these uh, these uh, primped and prepared uh, propagandizing politicians. Joe Biden being a perfect example of this, but most uh, most career politicians, you know, these embedded uh, swamp creatures, they're the exact opposite of what I just described. In other words, they're they're all cuddly and they're they're great when it comes to uh, getting in front of the camera. Joe Biden gets up there and, you know, oh, now he's just this sort of you know, a uh, kind of soft-spoken uh, uh, old man, you know, kind of grandfatherly. I mean, that's, that was what they wanted to portray him as. I mean, he looks like a demented creep, uh, a really a really deranged and sort of sick person uh, from having known him for 40 years plus and seen him up close. I mean, he looks just awful. I mean, it's just every time I see him, I, I question, is this, I mean, what is happening to this man? 
He's just, uh, it's like the evil is just writing itself all over his face. But someone who presents themselves or tries to present themselves as a moderate and, you know, kindly sort of, uh, you know, a, 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 a good natured, generous, per, you know, he's, he's for the people or he's, of course, when he's not, a, you know, completely uh, defaming entire uh, categories of the American citizenry, the MAGA Republicans, all that BS. But then behind the scenes and, and, you know, like I said, this is true, but like say a Mitch McConnell behind the scenes, he's an absolute ruthless cutthroat um, who would, you know, stab whoever in the back, betray his constituents and frankly sell us out to some of the most evil forces and some of the most uh, really uh, unfortunate at best and frankly vile at worst uh, causes, uh, you know, that, that are uh, around the world, you know, just the militarism, the interventionism, the stoking of war. Uh, this Ukraine funding, I mean, causing the deaths of hundreds of thousands of innocent people uh, for whatever reason, for this this mania against Russia. You know, and these politicians, I mean, uh, you know, Donald Trump has been an open book. The man was a celebrity since the 1980s. Uh, you know, he was famous back then. He was being lampooned on Saturday Night Live when Phil Hartman was still alive. If that, you know, people, there are people, young people who don't even probably don't even know who Phil Hartman is. Uh, for those of us who do, a great, I mean, one of the great comics of all time. Sadly, his life was cut short. And it's hard to believe that that was in 1998, I believe, uh, that he was, um, that he died. And I mean, it's you're talking over a quarter century at this point. It just seems like yesterday. But uh, Hartman did just a, just a hilarious send up, uh, you know, impression, uh, impersonation, whatever you call it, of, of uh, Donald Trump in the late 1980s, uh, you know, there in, uh, either Mar-a-Lago or uh, Trump Tower with Ivanka at the time uh, that they, uh, is it Ivanka? His his wife, that's uh, the mother, no, Ivana, excuse me, Ivana, not Ivanka. Um, and just check it out. You can find it, I'm sure, on uh, YouTube. But uh, he, he has a divorce uh, that he runs through a prenuptial agreement that's like about five inches thick. And she's like, and she's running through these, uh, you know, you can't do this to me. And he says, actually, it says I could do it right here. And he flips through and it's sort of a, the pre, uh, there's a different, different uh, tenor to Trump in the impersonations we see today. It's more exaggerated. Back then it was a little more kind of cool customer uh, impression. But um, that being said, the other development in Washington going on right now, as we speak, uh, or might've wrapped by now, is the uh, testimony finally, after I guess it's almost been a year or more uh, since he's been subpoenaed or at least coming up on it uh, of Hunter Biden, the uh, my, my old high school uh, uh, fellow schoolmate, someone I've known personally and up close for, gosh, upwards of uh, at least 30 to 35 years, spent plenty of time with behind the scenes. Of course, this was before uh, before really the, the vice presidency and before his father stepped into that big time. And uh, they went into overdrive. I mean, he was always well, well fed and well taken care of in terms of the jobs he had and the uh, opportunities he had. I always uh, wondered how you know he achieved all the sort of in indicia of wealth around him, with you know the houses that he lived in and uh, the cars he drove and all this stuff. When there was just no indication that he ever really worked. And uh, you know, hey, listen, if you can get away with it, if if you can get that kind of non work and and make that kind of money, I guess great. Not so great though, when you're selling your country out and you're peddling the influence of your father's office in exchange for uh, you know big cash benefits uh, and doing shady deals with even shadier people 
who are our enemies essentially at best. I mean, uh, the, you know, the communist Chinese. And now he is uh, at, um, in the wake of his uh, uncle's uncle's testimony. Um, Jimmy Biden testified and, he, and came out of that looking uh, looking not too flapped at all, not too uh, uh, perturbed by it, which uh, is understandable because. As I've said before, and I'll say again, and I said it from the beginning, that uh, there is no, I don't believe there's any shred of doubt that Joe Biden will issue pardons to his family members, whether or not they're in the line of fire of any prosecutorial uh, uh, jeopardy. And that will happen maybe quietly, who knows when, um, but certainly before he uh, leaves the office. I don't even think they'll take a chance that it would be done by the successor if, if, if it isn't Donald Trump, although. I think if, as we see in Michigan uh, yesterday, as Trump totally uh, obliterated Nikki Haley yet again for, I believe, his seventh primary victory in a row. Uh, Joe Biden, who <laughs> was on the ballot unchallenged except for, a, uh, I guess it's an unspecified or not none of the above sort of uh, designation of which 100,000 Democrats came out to vote against that or against Joe Biden or for the unspecified candidate or none of the above uh, deal. Not not a good not a good look for uh, for the sitting president of the United States. Frankly, um, I don't think I, I think the the uh, the handwriting is on the wall. And I've just you know, my question at this point is what frauds, what uh, schemes, scams, uh, false flags, you name it, intelligence, psyops are, are the Democrat uh, Democrat fascists and their extended uh, network of and tentacles of, of their government, uh, you know, the, the, the government based, uh, thug cabal or mob, I guess you could say that represents their interests and is their interests throughout the government. You know, what are they going to do? What are they going to come up with next? What is going to be their big maneuver? Um, Biden's out there. I mean, I know I get, uh, someone added my email, a, a, a long unused email somehow to, to a democratic, I guess, you know, list that gets sold. So I get Emily's list. I get Adam Schiff's emails like every five minutes. And I get the Biden Harris, you know, solicitation emails every 10 minutes. It's just like, talk about beating up a, a mailing list. I mean, it's beyond belief. Um, and it's just, it, it's, I, I thought it was amusing when I signed on. I thought, well, gee, who, and it's addressed usually like, dear Kathy, or something along those lines. So, you know, some Democrat sleaze, some one of these low level, you know, uh, email collectors uh, just probably just took random a whole random list of names just threw them you know threw them onto their uh, distribution lists and so i get these emails and they're trying to raise money and you know they're in definitely in it i mean again i repeat again joe biden isn't going nowhere he's not dropping out of the race he's going to stay in it um i you know it's just it's it, it's funny to see the obama forces like uh it, and we saw them send out obviously david david axelrod uh, his, you know, one of his key campaign lieutenants uh, who ensured his 2000, uh, 2008 victory coming out and, and decrying Biden. And I don't, you know, personally, I think, I don't know, I think they're, they're uh, bewildered as to what they're going to do. I think they expected, as he had said, that Biden was going to be a one-term president. Just, you know, let me, let me have it and I'll do it for one. Again, they don't, they don't know Joe Biden, apparently. They didn't know him well enough to know what a liar he is. Uh, and also what a, just an absolute, um, his appetite for for power and the spotlight. I mean, it's it's sad for him that he's probably so out of it mentally and uh, you know completely lost in his uh, his rapidly accelerating dementia that he can't even really savor 
finally being in the uh, the top dog seat that he pined for for upwards of 40 years and would have done anything to get and did do anything to get except he didn't really have to do anything he got to you know they they decided they were just going to use uh the the pretext of some fake pandemic to change the laws and rig the votes and steal the election well it's not going to happen again but i fear again what is what is going to happen um they've certainly I, I think the border invasion is not just uh not just for uh, to, to fatten uh, corrupt NGOs or to uh, sort of collapse the system necessarily, at least until they've been managed to use that to their advantage. Uh, the question is, will we, the Patriot side, be vigilant enough? Um, but we are seeing victories. We're seeing, again, Mitch McConnell. He's out. He could do a lot of damage between now and November, but let's hope they, uh, you know, that he's he's smart enough to just, uh, just be a caretaker at this point. And... Uh, if in November we see Donald Trump uh, return to the White House, I think there will be a uh, a, a reawakening, a, a, a new, a, frankly, a new awakening or a new, uh, what's the word, a, sort of a new, a genesis of this uh, movement that's grown up in the alternative to the propaganda, uh, leftist, um, government-based, you know, intelligence-driven, uh, and I say intelligence, intelligence community-manipulated um uh, cabal or sort of, uh, it's like a cult. And we will see whether we can frankly sustain that. And I mean, these people aren't going to go away. So how do we manage them? I guess is the ultimate question. How do we keep them at bay? Um, but we will, we will be, uh, getting into, uh, the issue of whistleblowers on the other side of this break here, um, with a, a very, very compelling guest. And, um, it will be, uh, it will be revealing when you uh, think of what the government and you realize, and he uh, shares with, with us what the government does to people who try to expose corruption within it, not just, uh, you know, not just malfeasance necessarily, but outright corruption and law breaking. Um, it really shows that they're, they are in, in, them, in and of themselves a mafia, a mob, the, the biggest mob of thugs that you'll ever find. So um, hopefully he'll, uh, he'll tell us, uh, some some give us some options as to what can be done uh, as we restore the republic you're watching the tyler nixon show on today's news talk stay with us tnt's darren denslow a cemetery here in the uk could be extended by seven thousand graves to cope with a rise in deaths and burials during the covid19 pandemic why we need to suddenly extend that grave now i don't the graveyard now i don't know luton borough council so plans were being finalized to expand the Vale cemetery on greenbelt land next to the town's existing cemetery in stopsley a survey in 2008 found the existing cemetery would run out of space by 2025. in fact i could carry on going through this article and guess what it doesn't mention covid again it only mentions covid in the headline and the very first line of this story which sends my alarm bells off uh, 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 ringing because uh, i suspect it has nothing to do with covid but everything to do with an increase in deaths and excess deaths since covid digging deeper with dd denslow on today's news talk tnt lights is britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies no, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk
TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Well, you're not going to find a more independent, free speech-based, uncensored platform out there than today's news talk. And we have a great lineup of presenters uh, with from across the spectrum of uh, political thought, but all freedom-minded, uh, free-thinking people. And uh, following the Tyler Nixon show, we have State of the Nation with my good friends Brian Hesher-McLean and Steve Hook. It is a show not to be missed. Great guests, hard-hitting commentary, uh, great conversation. You'll learn something new. I enjoy it. It's a two-hour blockbuster, very much the flagship of today's news talk, uh, immediately following the Tyler Nixon show. So welcoming to the show, uh, one thing about social media for all its uh, for all the ills and the sort of uh, squabbles and the nastiness that goes on, it is a it is really a great place to connect with people. And I connected with uh, this uh, this gentleman coming up uh, it, it, through social media on X, Twitter, and um, he contacted me and it has a very compelling story. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, it's uh, exposing what is done to whistleblowers who dare to step into the breach in terms of uh, of corruption and malfeasance and criminality within our own uh, our own government, within our intelligence agencies, and how uh, they are completely out of control. And he's actually authored a book called, uh, uh, it's a broken, broken whistle, excuse me, broken whistle, uh, a deep state run amok, which is a perfect, uh, a perfect title, I think. Pedro uh, Israel Orta, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tyler, for having me on the show this afternoon. Thanks for having, thanks for coming on. Well, listen, uh, why don't you just give us a quick uh, rundown of your background, and uh, you know, and we then we can get into the book. Well, before I started working for the CIA, I actually had 14 years of business experience, successful accolades, proven track record. I put myself through school at night, graduated summa cum laude, uh, ended up as a graduate fellow for the CIA, and studied at George Washington University. Did very well there as well. So I transferred to over to a career staff officer for CIA, started as an analyst, worked my way through the analytical ranks, transferred over to basically the operational world, did some overseas time in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, having my uh, operational tradecraft training to handle intelligence, human assets, uh, did another war zone tour, Ended up uh, doing also some technical targeting, some counterintelligence work. Uh, by the time I got out to Afghanistan in 2014, I had over 14 years of experience, six years of war zone experiences. I had already accumulated uh, eight exceptional performance awards. I was very well prepared to be deployed as a deputy chief of base. And I knew exactly what was expected of a manager in a war zone. Here I am in a war zone working for a chief of base who sadly uh, just was not up to the task. And by law, I'm compelled to report what I see that is definitely violations of laws, the harassment of personnel, endangerment of our lives, so forth. One thing led to another and uh, basically I got sent home and it's a long story. It took a whole book to tell it. And at the end of the day, I mean, what, what's most important about this story is the rule of law. Do the, does the law matter or not? If the law matters, well, there are laws in the books that protect people from speaking up. They're not supposed to take reprisals against you. But the reality is that it's just basically pretty 
ink on paper that is worthless. Well, you know, what strikes me as uh, is kind of crazy is that you were in, was it Bagram where you were uh, where you were talking about? Well, I mean, there's the base, or, 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 I, there. I mean, unless you can't reveal it. I mean, that's that's a I can't. I'm forbidden from revealing the location, but anybody okay. that can put two plus two together could probably figure it out. Right. So so you had a female head of base, right? And as I as I understood some of the uh, you know from your book, she was basically just treating like she was at Club Med or something or Club Fed. <laughs> she was running around <laughs> shopping, uh, you know, blowing cash, lavish dinners. I mean, there it's like, what are you here for? Why? I mean, do you have do you have a, a role? in terms of you know the intelligence community or intelligence activities and uh and you you were obviously eventually raised the alarm bell and were sent sent home early you know and and sort of had your career truncated in many ways and you went on to blow the whistle on this and what's odd is like okay it wasn't as though she was retaliating against you or she was taking retribution or protecting somehow her direct interests it was more like they were protecting her and in this corruption sort of by proxy just or just generally the fact that you were came brought anything to light no matter how corrupt it is automatically made you a pariah and i mean am i characterizing that correctly exactly i mean th th these were issues that were very easy to resolve uh, but what they engaged was in a campaign of degradation denigration slander uh, defaming, obstruction, conspiracy to obstruct justice, conspiracy to cover it up. They basically wanted to protect her at all cost using whatever tactic and technique they can use to push me to the side, hoping that I would quit, the, which, which is basically the classic CIA way of doing things. If they want you out, they will basically just beat you up to the point that you just give up and you quit. Well, unfortunately, I'm not a quitter. Never been a quitter. So that tactic was not going to work for uh, work against me. If anything, it, it just led me to basically plant my feet and say, I'm going forward. I'm going to report this to who I need to report it to. In the process, I'm going to document everything. And the, the, the worst part about it wasn't that she was running this space like a social club. The, the worst part about this is what happened back when I went back to CIA headquarters, how the entire bureaucracy was hell bent on destroying dissent to preserve its power, destroying me, destroying my allegations. Uh, I mean, EEO was equal employment opportunity was totally worthless. They, they're, they're supposed to help me. And I made I I set the bar so low to fix this. I just said. Just give me another war zone job or give me a six month temporary duty overseas in a war zone and just fix the uh, the performance appraisal that it was a nut job if you would have read that performance appraisal. Duh, that's all I asked for. But EEO worthless. The IG inspector general by law are supposed to take in an allegation of reprisal and I reported it to them. But they were also obstructionists. They were trying to punt this away. They didn't want to handle this. They didn't want to do anything with this. The grievance officer could have stepped in and landed me a job in a snap of a finger. He basically was says like, this is a hot potato. Let's just throw it away. Yeah. Uh, and, and human resources, they were covering up for her. So uh, yeah. I, eventually I had to run out of the CIA and get away. <laughs> well, 
hold that thought. We're going to get a quick news bulletin in here. Um, you're watching the Tyler Nixon show. My guest, Pedro Orta, who is a whistleblower, and we'll talk uh, more about his ordeal, frankly, at the hands of the CIA on the other side. What time is it? Now, TNT Radio News. You know what time it is? Yeah. Time to read some news. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Former President Donald Trump has won Michigan's February 27th Republican presidential primary, marking his sixth consecutive primary victory in the race for the GOP nomination. President Joe Biden has strongly criticized former President Donald Trump's recent remarks about NATO, labeling them as absolutely bizarre. The European Council has proposed that Europeans continue to consume natural gas at levels 15% below the average demand from April of 2017 to March of 2022 for an additional year. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Right back into it with my guest, Pedro Orta, a former CIA official. Who, and whistleblower, wannabe whistleblower, author of Broken Whistle, A Deep State Run Amuck, and he's uh, giving us the rundown of what he's went, what he went through. Now, what strikes me, uh, Pedro, about uh, what you were, as again, as I said, it's like all the energy that they put into covering up for bad actors, and it makes me think that, you know, I mean, you would think they would would want to have you know quality people who are actually doing the job and who are actually performing the mission uh, or carrying out the mission, performing their duties. And it seems like, you know, I, I mean, is, do you think that the covering up, I mean, obviously there's the institutional uh, protectionism aspect of it, but at the same time, it's like, are these people just, are they equally corrupt themselves or they want, you know, they, they see that, uh, you know, someone who gets, gets away with that kind of thing, as you mentioned, that uh, base commander, and they want to be able to do that. Or is it that they fear, reputational damage because when they treat whistleblowers as you uh the way they have i don't see how much more damage they could do to their reputation so it seems like it's it's almost like is it, is it just arrogance because it's very counterproductive there's different components to it uh I, and we can approach this from different angles but but primarily what happens here is they take each case as one case and they don't realize they start creating patterns of abuse I'm not the only whistleblower has gone through this, but they, what they did here was they wanted to absolutely kill this claim. I mean, they, they, there were two EEO claims, the claim against harassment of someone subordinate to us, subordinate to the chief of base, the deputy chief of base, myself, and I as a manager bringing it up and then taking reprisals against me created a, a, another claim. That's one side. Then the other side of this is the... Uh, the abuses of authority, the waste and mismanagement, and also significant and specific endangerment to public safety. I mean, this that would, that would be an I, that would be an IG side versus the first one would be like human resources. Exactly. So, right. That so was it's, an it's, IG. You end up bifurcating like these or trifurcating whatever, splitting these claims up almost so that they're not all necessarily handled in one shot. So, so I mean, these, they had mul multiple claims here. So, on that note. EEO is there to protect the agency from any claims. So they're trying to kill the claim rather than resolve the claim. The IGs are more interested in finding uh, not institutional problems that are going to embarrass the agency. They're looking more for a lone actor. Like, for example, they sprung into action to find out who was stealing candy 
from a machine. Duh. It took them 60 days to basically open and close the investigation with prosecutorial recommendations to the Department of oh, Justice. Well, yeah. The, the <laughs> great candy caper, the great candy mystery. Right? <laughs> you know, only through sheer force did they finally do something about my case. And it took them hundreds, almost 800 days. And still, it was a feckless investigation. So basically, so they're, what they're trying to do is cover up. And a big component is the Office of General Counsel particularly the litigation division. I witnessed firsthand how one of those litigation attorneys who works for EEO was absolutely just insanely corrupt and should have been fired by some of her comments. Uh, and, and some of the stuff that I witnessed myself firsthand on how the attorneys were trying to kill the case from allowing me to get legal representation, which now we're getting into potentially some legal liabilities for the agency, uh, denial due processes and so right. forth. Not, not I mean, to inter interject because I think did you mention like you had to have you had to have basically clearance to get counsel. You had like in other words, you can't just run out and get an attorney and start blabbing. You have to get it's, approvals, it's right? Exactly. And they were they were dragging their feet on this ex for extended periods, right? Uh, uh, that that's part of it because I needed since I was undercover, I needed to get a limited security approval for me to break cover with an attorney. I could not disclose my identity to an attorney and I could not disclose the uh, contents of the claims and so forth to the attorney. It's hilarious. At one time, the Office of General Counsel told me, well, go ahead, tell the attorney, but don't tell him your name and don't tell him anything <laughs> about your case. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, it really is. Yet. Yeah, it really is. And, and it's unfortunate because as a threshold matter. I mean, they have every reason to do what they do, which is to, to delay, to obstruct and, you know, without good cause. And it, it can really harm, you know, you're I mean, you're, you know, justice delayed is justice denied, as you know. So, I mean, it's just it, it, it's it seems like they uh, have too much power. And the, the, I mean, every aspect or component of the system is compromised. Completely compromised, corrupt as hell, you know, criminals in action, crooks in action, clowns in action. You can just use every oh, one yeah. of those words instead of Central Intelligence Agency. Oh, because the reality is they're trying to obstruct, deny due processes, violate civil rights, all in trying to bully and beat a complainant until they quit. Yeah. And if, what they failed to realize is I wouldn't quit because I wouldn't quit. This just continued to escalate. And the more right. it escalated, the more they incriminated themselves. Yeah. I mean, you pushed them to the point of revealing themselves of, I mean, just how far they're willing to go. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to me because where do they get these people? I mean, and how, like, what have they been exposed to or how much corruption does there have to be? Because this is not just like, oh, we're ready-made corrupt as soon as we walk in the door. I mean, this has to be learned behavior in a sense, or that's sanctioned certainly. Um, and, you know, the mishand, I mean, they don't just accidentally mishandle cases or, or you know, it's a one-off. I mean, it seems like every, every, in every respect, I mean, where do you see this coming down from the top or is it just already so thoroughly rotted throughout? Because, I mean, you're, you're seem like, you know, very honest, straightforward, good guy. I mean, you're obviously, we're in the agency. Um, is it just maybe at the point, well, I know there's obviously bad actors, but I mean, I'm wondering, is it just the point of where, you know, these, these are investigative uh, arms within the agency that you know they're all well, they're all sort of on the same sheet of music that we're going to do whatever it takes to, to to squelch this stuff 
you 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 have to add the other element component of the case that, that I got involved in. I took sanctuary in the Office of Inspector General for the Intelligence Community. In that office, I worked on a team where we did an inspection and evaluation of whistleblower reprisal protections. And we found that there are no protections, just pretty paper, just ink on paper, worthless, unenforceable. And on top of that, the worst part about it is they had no desire to enforce them. So this brings up that component, a lack of accountability. We have a problem in which to a degree, Congress has allowed the intelligence community to run amok and do as they please and do their bidding. Instead of Congress stepping in and stopping these shenanigans, Congress has empowered these agencies to take these reprisals against individuals. And what happens is they know they can get away with it, so they do it. They have never paid a price, never paid a price for taking reprisals against whistleblowers. They've never lost funding. They never had personnel reprimanded. I mean, it's it's one of those things where if you ever see a case of any senior CIA officer paying a price for any such of these issues, it's one of those rare cases where they probably lost favor and they used them as a scapegoat. Yeah, and that, that's the truth. Now, I, you had mentioned, I, I think one of the things you said was that they they it's not a matter of just your career is over within the agency that you know you're you're blackballed in terms of trying to find uh external employment civilian employment outside of that isn't that i mean is, is that true they really sort of mark you up and and word is put out and i guess you know when you're in that you're in the intelligence business it's not like you you're going to go flip burgers at mcdonald's or something you're going to you know, obviously seek a high level job and apparently uh, did you find that that was the case that they sort of marked you up well, what i have found is they told employees don't contact this individual I've, hmm. I've i've also seen people run away from me the they took my clearance away from me without a clearance i i, I cannot work in this national security field that right. in itself is a means of blackballing uh a whistleblower you basically blackball them destroy their ability to work in the national security career field by taking their clearance away and yet john brennan and james clapper still have security clearances you know these these total crooked criminals not to mention the 51 of which they are i'm sure two signatories to the biden laptop is disinformation from russia nonsense letter that was signed which all those people should have been totally removed from any sort of clearances for just just even being involved with such a fraud in the country we've got to take a quick uh, uh commercial break here uh pedro on the other side we'll uh we'll get into what the uh, future you know, looks like and whether this can ever be fixed. You're watching The Tyler Nixon Show on today's News Talk. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Scientists are freaking out over how warm the ocean has gotten. They should freak out. You know why? Because it's proof that it cannot be man-made. CO2 back radiation only penetrates the top millimeter or two of the oceans. So what's warming the ocean? Well, if you've been listening and following some of my writings, it appears logical and appears obvious that this has to be natural, specifically geothermally driven. Now, there are some other arguments out there. The solar people say because of the reduction of incoming rays, it could be affecting the cloud cover. However, as a meteorologist, I could tell you why there's less cloud cover over the tropics. If it warms, and it's going to be distorted warming because of what we call the thermal haline circulation, it warms more away from the equator than around the equator, 
It affects the vertical velocity patterns, which lessen the upward motion over the tropical oceans, and guess what happens? You have less clouds. Now, I'm not going to get into argument with my solar friends. I will tell you this, those scientists that are panicking over how warm the ocean is getting should be panicking because it means that they can't possibly be right as to the cause and their gravy train should come to an end. I'd be panicking too. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. But remember, there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats who, uh... <laughs> okay. And around the world for any animal, any disaster. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. With a compelling perspective on U.S. politics, this is The Tyler Nixon Show on TNT. Whistleblower retaliation and retribution, that's the topic. My guest, Pedro Orta. Uh, Pedro, you're, you're an ordained minister now. And uh, tell us a little bit about your outside activities. Uh, and I'm, I'm just curious also, they you said they took away your clearance. Uh, were you still, I mean, I imagine you probably signed all sorts of um, agreements, you know, and, and sort of uh, confidentiality and so forth, uh, that it probably was, did you still have to go through the whole process of approvals for your for your book? You're right, yes. As, as a CIA employee, intelligence community employee, you sign non-disclosure agreements, secrecy agreements, where you basically commit to never reveal, you know, classified information. And should you ever write or speak on matters related to what you worked on, you would have to submit it for pre-publication review. So the book was submitted for pre-publication review. They reviewed it, and the reader will see blacked out text, which is the redactions that they required for me to be able to publish it. And th thankfully, it was not a very difficult process. It, it, it was a process where basically on my end, I had to make sure that I turned in the final product that I intended to publish that way, as soon as they returned it to me, all I had to do was just do those redactions. And that's how it worked out. Uh, and, were were there, know, were there, I mean, did they drag their feet? Were there a lot of redactions or was it pretty, you, you, you were probably wise enough to what you could include and couldn't, but you know, who knows? Sometimes they'll, I'm sure they could come up with anything if they wanted to. Well, it, it, there's an executive order that, governs uh, the classification of national security information. And being well-versed in it led me to write it in a certain way to ensure that most of it would not be redacted. Uh, and that's how it worked out. Uh, I, I did run into a situation where there was some significant redactions in one particular tour overseas. And that's just the nature of the job I had, which, which I understand. They wanted to protect basically the foreign relations. Uh, but uh, in writing the book, I wrote it in a way that I would also be selling it to them to allow me to, you know, publish it. I mean, I gave the agency credit where credit was due. Um, you know, I praised some some of their efforts, some of their personnel. And yeah, I definitely wrote about the rotten apples. Uh, but, you know, the, the way I wrote it, I also wrote it in a way that kind of disclosed to them who I was, what kind of training I had. and. You know, it was very factual, very detailed with 
citations, sources, 150 footnotes, a lot of showing some storytelling. And it's a compelling argument. So it, it would have been very hard for them to uh, try to deny me from publishing it. And ultimately, you know, as I stated in my prologue, the truth must be told. And in my epilogue, who will speak for you when they come looking for you? I mean, I was willing to publish this without any approvals if necessary. And, you know, it's like, what else could I possibly lose? You know, at the end of the yeah, day, the really. message that matters. So I'm saying they took away your clearances and uh, what, so it was published last summer. Is that correct? Came uh, out last 19, summer? Feb 19 February, but, but it, I mean, okay. it, it took almost three years to put this book together. If, if right. you look at the research phase, some breaks, but it took almost 10 and a half weeks when I finally got down and I sat down and wrote, but then you have a lot of editing. I, I did a significant amount of self edits. You know, I put it through uh, two professional editorial reviews, a copy editor, a proofreader. And even then, you know, it, it that didn't include a uh, an editorial assessment as well. So it, it it was a lot of rounds of editing. It was a long, laborious process. Well, I mean, it, it's very. I think the the you know your your syntax that is very well written, very succinct. And who who is the publisher? Uh, the publishing house, I should say. And and where can where can uh, the viewers find it? And by the way, just for anybody who might have just tuned in, the book is uh, a broken. I'm sorry, broken whistle. I'm going to say broken mirror. Broken whistle. Uh, how uh, how the deep state has run amok, and it's Pedro Orta. Uh, Pedro, where can everybody find the book? It's it's self published. I have a website, okay. brokenwhistlebook.com. Brokenwhistlebook.com. The links are there. There's links for uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Ingram Sparks, the distributor for hardcover with dust jacket or paperback, and it's also available in ebook. Uh, Amazon Kindle, Apple Books, and Kobo. The Amazon also has a special edition hardcover that doesn't have a dust jacket and they have the paperback. And uh, I mean, there's just plenty of options. My, my main priority was get the message out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's you've provided a valuable uh, guidebook for people just to see what, you know, one individual has had to go through in terms of just, you know, and you're not talking about like, Snowden level, uh, you know, breaches here. I mean, you just simply were trying to clean up a messy, uh, you know, pushback against someone who was just a, a self-dealing sort of freewheeling, yeah. you know, dirty, sh uh, dirty, sh duty shirking, <laughs> dirty, duty shirking, uh, oh. corrupt individuals or close, you know, probably what I was going to. Um, so I guess, you know, you said you give credit to the agency in, in this process, which is sounds like has, you know, gone on for like 10 years. Uh, did you find anybody in a, in a position of responsibility or authority or, uh, you know, that, that was sympathetic and, you know, was on your side or you felt was like, hey, this person understands or even went to bat for you in any way? Or was it just like once you're sort of marked as a whistleblower, as a, uh, a gadfly or someone who's a problem, you're like radioactive? Uh, you know, before that Afghanistan deployment, one of my overseas tours, I ran into a situation with, again, a bunch of just just poor managers. I mean, one of, the, <laughs> one of the themes in the book is DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion. You, 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 you can't expect excellence if you pro promote incompetence. But but I did have a very senior high level officer called the Prince of Darkness stepped in and helped me 
to eventually transfer to the director of operations because, uh, again, I got railroaded by some bad managers that really did some damage to my career. Uh, so, I mean, there are some people out there that are willing to speak up and do the right thing, but that's rare. And later on, as I was going through this ordeal coming back from Afghanistan, there was a manager that helped me to make sure that I landed in a in a safe working office environment. So, I mean, th th there are some good people there, but I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where you have to be very careful because if you try to help someone, you will fall on with them it, right. it, 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 if you're basically on the wrong side. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure from your side of the of the coin you have to be careful who's you know who you take into confidence or that you necessarily trust at that point right well i mean i mean essentially i was going up against brennan because brennan had put out a note that we're going to make sure personnel are kept safe in a war zone so when i blew the whistle on this lady's insanity as far as putting our lives at risk i basically was saying hey brennan you got a problem our lives are being put at risk so you need to step in and do something so, I mean, my, my case certainly went all the way up to Brennan, or if not Brennan, somebody very close to him. I mean, whenever something like this happens, senior level leaders are briefed. Uh, yeah, th there's a lot more in this book that obviously we won't be able to cover throughout this entire time frame. But right. my disclosures, I, I used the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act disclosures only to find out they didn't want to process them. They had foot dragged. Hmm. You know, eventually they tell me to go ahead, file them again a second time. When I finally file them, tell me, well, you can't file anymore because you've been fired. Uh, and, and meanwhile, I mean, look at the Ukraine whistleblower. Uh, all of a sudden, you have immense interest, action taken to defend and protect and push forward. A disclosure that the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel said doesn't even meet the uh, letter of the law yeah. in terms of yeah being I, I was just going to say you know I think it's a, a and you're talking about Eric Chiamarella or whatever you know yes I would and, that, and, now now and let me just point out that that I think it's an insult to genuine whistleblowers to call that person a whistleblower exactly it is and, and you know all of a sudden Congress is helping the Vinmans and Sarah and not only yeah. helping them but going forward with a intelligence community whistleblower protection act disclosure but people like myself. You know, it's like, what? You filed a disclosure? Yeah. We don't want to hear anything about it. Never mind. You're a nobody. They were subversives. They were not whistleblowers. I mean, they were there oh. uh, pe peddling nonsense, you know, uh, peddling information. They should not have, uh, this should never be disclosed. Uh, you know, conversations of uh, eavesdropping on the president. I mean, right at the outset of Donald Trump's administration, and uh, you can speak to this, certainly, it's it struck me as these are unprecedented breaches of a president's uh, prerogatives, uh, you know, the respect for the office. And like when they were releasing transcripts, if not actual, well, I don't think I have a few recordings of, of transcripts of conversations with world leaders, just like, you know, like it was nothing. I mean, this would have been absolutely uh, heads would have rolled in any previous administration, but they were facilitating this. Um, you know, yeah. do, does that strike you? I mean, did you witness, you know, in particular, I mean, because I guess you were going through it roughly contemporaneous with the Trump administration, how this man was so poorly and shabbily treated and the institution of the presidency was so uh, treated with such contempt. I mean, the, the issue here is they weaponized whistleblower processes to target Trump to try to get him impeached and out of office. While real whistleblowers like myself were basically discarded like yesterday's trash. Now, this is significant because this is the very reason why Snowden did 
did not use this whistleblower process to report the things he saw. He knew that if he would report, that he himself would potentially be the target. And he had predecessors who had used these whistleblower processes, Thomas Drake, Benny, and there's, I believe there's two others there, NSA whistleblowers, who actually reported similar things years earlier to Snowden. And they had their houses raided. Uh, Drake had to eventually negotiate and plead guilty to some minor charges, but they were trying to put him in jail for for life, if not life. Yeah, well, he did go to prison for a couple of years, wasn't it, Drake? Uh, Yeah, I believe he went for a couple of years or if not. Yeah, something along the lines of what what John Kiriako had to do. I mean, it wasn't wasn't like, you know, it was enough to really put a sting on you and make you realize you had lost that much time of your life, but not, you know, putting you away for 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 good. So, I mean, th- this matters much because if we do not have robust whistleblower protections or a means for employees to report waste, fraud, abuse, and so forth, I mean, we could have intelligence failures. And we've had intelligence failures because whistleblowers have come forward. And instead of adjudicating those allegations of certain problems, they've actually attacked the whistleblower. One of the cases I speak about in my book is John Reedy. Duh. So, I mean, this, this this feeds into your back to the beginning of your question. You know, the reason why I wrote this book is it, it's it's not that it's my story that matters. It's the implications of my story that matters. We have got to fix this broken whistleblower process, not allowing it to be weaponized to go after a president and at the same time fix it so that people can report wrongdoing and hopefully avoid 9-11s and other catastrophic intelligence failures. I think that brings me to, to that, the question that I'd asked in terms of like, well, I pose the possible, you know, wh- where do we go from here? Because if you have all the, in- the investigative uh, arms of the agency or the government, you know, IGs, they're compromised, they're not looking, you know, they're not incentivized properly or they don't have the right people. Congress, as you mentioned, just sort of, you know, turns their backs on the whistleblowers. Obviously, I don't know, you know, the president, I guess someone like Trump only has only has the ability to reach so far into these agencies, as we saw, you know, since they were really, uh, you know, undermining him, subverting his administration. What is the solution? I mean, I, I, there's no, I, well, there's no, you your, tell me. Your question, open Pandora's box. Duh. The inspector general system, the way it functions is broken. The inspector general essentially works for the agency head. They are subservient to the agency head. Therefore, there's a conflict of interest. They say there isn't, but there is. Yeah. Well, there's certainly Similarly, no independence. There's they're not no independent. independence. That's, that's, that's it the right point. there. Yeah. And at the same time, the inspector general system works under the uh, semi-annual report. Twice a year, every six months, they're doing a report. And their priority is we need to find money. We need to do mm-hmm. investigations to have metrics. We need to recover funds. Or we need to do evaluations to say we can improve certain functions to save the government money. So they're driven by this production uh, the type of uh, activity that doesn't necessarily tackle the harder issues. Right. And on that right. note, if you look at a whistleblower investigation, that's taken away resources from an IG from its core functions. And they're potentially finding a liability against an agency, creating money that the agency will owe to a complainant. So that's in, inherently a conflict of interest. Yeah. On well, that note, I, I, you know, uh, well, if you could, 10, 15 seconds. <laughs>
I mean, okay, well, well, I, I, Pedro, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll try to pick up this conversation and have you back again. My guest, Pedro Orta, appreciate uh, you're joining us. And uh, the book is Broken Whistle, uh, the, the Deep State Run Amok. Uh, check it out. Thanks for coming on, Pedro. Thank you, Tyler. Pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. You're watching today's News Talk. Stay tuned for State of the Nation coming up next.